0: Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Mile End Service. To hear talks from each of our services, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. How we can renew our devotion to Jesus and become disciples to him. So last week, um, Joel talked us through humility, and today we are looking at forgiveness. And some of us, when we hear that word forgiveness, we think, oh, that's nothing to do with me. I can switch off on this sermon. I can just sit on my phone. Why should I forgive? What does it even mean to forgive? And if that's you this evening, then I just want to say that, like, I hear you. And in praying over this passage and preparing for this talk, God's really challenged me in what it means to forgive and, and some areas in my life where potentially I need to forgive. And maybe He'll do the same to you this evening. And I just want to acknowledge that forgiveness can be painful, it can be difficult. And it is completely unnatural, especially in a culture where like, forgiveness is seen as something that's unjust or even immoral. And that was equally true in the Middle East, like 2,000 years ago when Jesus was alive, as it is today. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If you insult me, I tweet lies about you. If you mess up, I cancel you. If you attack my country, I bomb yours. Even our films are called things like The Avengers or Justice League, Atonement. How many films have you ever seen called The Forgivers? (laughs) But in Luke 17 and throughout the Gospels, Jesus calls us to radically and habitually forgive. One of my earliest memories, um, I don't know if anyone else remembers this, was my my first day at primary school. It was a long time ago now, but it it was playtime. And I just made a new friend. And for the sake of the court story, we'll call him Larry. Now, Our primary school had a sandpit, which was fantastic. And, and Larry and I were playing at lunchtime quite happily in this sandpit. When out of the blue, Larry kicked over my sandcastle. And I was like, no, Larry, this, this isn't cool. That's not how we roll at this school. But Larry, as he, he started to sort of walk away laughing to himself, I picked up a bucket of sand and I threw it at Larry. That was my turn to walk away laughing, a little chuckle that I used to have. Um, And then I saw out the corner of my eye, Larry boiling with anger, chasing after me. He grabbed me by the collar of my shirt and he dragged me to the head teacher's office where I spent the first day of my primary school career sat in the office in silence being told to explain why I'd thrown sand at Larry. And throughout the next seven years at school, I genuinely don't think I said another word to Larry. Um, if we ever had to pick football teams for a kick around, I'd refuse to pick him, he'd refuse to pick me. Like, he, Larry started to hang around with all the cool kids and I didn't want to be anywhere near them. And so I, I was like, for the most of my schooling career, I was labeled as this like, shy, nerdy kid who couldn't make friends especially Larry, and um, was the last to be picked in all sports teams, all because I never forgave Larry for kicking over my sandcastle when I was four years old. It's a stupid example, but what would Jesus say to my episode with Larry? In today's passage, verse three, he says, so watch yourselves. Me? It's Larry's fault. Larry started it. He kicked over my sandcastle. But Jesus says, no, when someone wrongs you, when someone hurts you, watch yourself. Because when you fail to forgive them, the person who usually hurts most is you. In Hebrews, the Apostle Paul says, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, when we fail to forgive, we become bitter. It can make us angry. We become resentful. In the end, we're the one who suffers. Carrie Fisher, the late Princess Leia, said that resentment is like drinking poison and then waiting for the other person to die. See, when we resent someone, we play the wrong that they've done to us over and over in our minds. It haunts us. And just like my experience with Larry, ultimately, we are the one who suffers. It's like drinking poison. The great prophet, Master Yoda, said to a young Anakin Skywalker and this quote I've had to twist it to make it fit but I love the quote so I had to get it in the talk he said fear or bitterness leads to anger anger leads to hate hate leads to suffering and look what happens to cute little Anakin see his resentment he he resented the Jedi order for holding him back his bitterness twisted him It filled him with so much anger and so much hate that he turned the Jedi into his enemy and he destroyed them all. In doing so, he destroyed his marriage, he destroyed his friendship with Obi-Wan and he destroyed himself as he became Darth Vader. See, when we fail to forgive, if we allow that root of bitterness to grow, then just like Darth Vader, Paul says that we will defile many. As Richard Rohr puts it, if we do not transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it. So if you can't forgive the person who cheated on you, it will stop you trusting your next partner. If you can't forgive your father for leaving you, it will distort your relationship with other male authority figures. If you can't forgive your church for making you feel unworthy of love, then you won't be able to live the flourishing life in Christian community that God has planned for you. See, over time, unforgiveness ends marriages, it kills friendships, it splits nations, it starts wars, and it divides churches. So watch yourselves. The only way to break this cycle, as Jesus shows us time and time again, is to forgive. And to forgive, Lewis Smead, the author of the fantastic book, The Art of Forgiveness, said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to realize that the prisoner was you. I love that quote, so good. Um, let's just be clear before we get into it on what forgiveness isn't. Now, forgiveness isn't forgetting. It's not ignoring the pain that's been caused to you. Forgiveness isn't pardon. It's not saying that what the person did to you is okay. It's not trust. You absolutely don't have to trust that person again. And forgiveness isn't denying justice. Like You, you can forgive someone and still exist on just punishment for what they did But in forgiving them first, you release both yourself and the person who's wronged you to be free for the life that God has in store for you. So, what is forgiveness? Well, in today's passage, Luke references three strands of forgiveness, and they are internal forgiveness, relational forgiveness, and divine forgiveness. So, we'll start because it's the first on the list with internal forgiveness. Uh, internal forgiveness is something that is practiced before it's preached. Preached, felt. <laughs> you could preach about it if you want. You can take the mic now. Um, it's something that's practiced before it's felt. Like no one has ever like been hurt and then instantly feels like forgiving the other person straight away. Like it's a decision that you've got to make to relate with the wrongdoer, to repay the debt of the wrongdoer, and then to revise your feelings towards the wrongdoer. So the first step is to relate to the wrongdoer. In verse three, Jesus says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. He isn't saying here that the only people that you have to forgive are your brothers and your sisters and only when they repent. Because in Mark 11, Jesus says that when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Like that, on the spot, forgive them there and then. If you hold anything against anyone, And we've got to hold both of those two verses in tension. And I think by using the term brother, Jesus is saying that when someone sins against you, remind yourselves of what you have in common. Don't alienate them. See, when people wrong us, like our instinct is straight away to reduce them to the wrong they've done to us. We say, Larry's a liar. Larry's a snitch. Larry's mean. I reduce him to the wrong that he's done to me. Miroslav Volf said that forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. So when I reduce Larry to being a liar from being just a person who's lied, if I reduce him to being a liar, it's impossible for me to forgive him. I've excluded him from the community of humans. He's not even human to me anymore. He's just a liar. Even as I exclude myself from the community of sinners. Larry's a liar. And I would never do anything like that. Larry hurt me, and I would never hurt anyone the way Larry hurt me. Really? Just ask my wife. I am equally as flawed, equally as broken as Larry. But before I can forgive him, before any of us can forgive anyone, we need to realize that all of us, both Larry and I, both you and I, are made in the image of God. But equally, we are all sinners who desperately need God's grace. We must relate to the wrongdoer. The next step, then, is to repay the debt of the wrongdoer. Now, the Greek word to forgive used in this passage is this word "aphemi," and that literally means to send away or to release a debt, usually a financial debt. So whenever you are wronged, the person who wronged you owes you. They owe you a debt, and one of you has to pay. If um, I went around to Pete's house, and we're having a lovely meal, which... Maybe we will one time. Um, And we have done, yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Pete and I are in a lovely meal. He's got this fantastic pasta. He's got a homemade pasta machine. He's beautiful. We're sat there having dinner. Nice glass of red wine. And Pete's wearing his brand new crisp white Fulham shirt. If I spilt wine, red wine, on Pete's brand new Fulham shirt, either Pete has to buy himself a new Fulham shirt Or I have to buy him a new Fulham shirt. And if Pete buys himself a new Fulham shirt, then he pays the debt. I'm making him pay. But if I buy you the new Fulham shirt, then I pay the debt. Either way, one of us has to pay. So when there's a wrong done to us, either Pete pays or I pay. The debt doesn't just disappear. And like most of our debts aren't to do with our stuff. They're to do with our feelings. It's when someone lies about you. It's when they abandon you. It's when they ruin your reputation. So when they do that, we feel that they've owed us, they feel they owe us, and our instinct is to make them pay. They must feel how I felt, they must hurt how I've hurt. So we shout at them, or we gossip about them. Or worst, on the outside we pretend that everything's okay, and on the inside, this is what I do anyway, is like, you like, inwardly just root against them. You want them to fail. So every time Pete sees me in the street walking down and he sees me trip up, he thinks, yes. (laughs) Payback. And it makes him feel good. He feels like we've got even. Johnny spilt wine on my Fulham shirt. I'm even. But that root is still there. When we do that, we become bitter. So how do you forgive? Well, you forego seeking repayment. You deny yourself revenge so that when someone lies about you and all you wanna do is scream at them, you don't. When your boss overlooks you for promotion and all you wanna do is tell everyone in the office how incompetent they are and how short-sighted they are, you don't. When your partner leaves you and you want to ruin their reputation, instead you pray for them. See, instead of giving the pain back that they gave you, you absorb that pain into yourself. You pay the debt, and that really hurts. Tim Keller puts it like this in his fantastic book, Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I? Um, Forgiveness is a form of voluntary suffering. In forgiving rather than retaliating, you make the choice to bear the cost. See, in the short term, forgiveness can be extremely painful. You bear the cost. But in the long term, you are released from the hold that that bitter root has on you. The final step then is to revise your feelings, to seek the good of the person who's wronged you. In Matthew 5, Jesus teaches us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. At first, when someone wrongs you, that feels impossible. But when when you decide to try and relate to them, when you decide to pay that debt yourself, eventually your feelings start to follow your actions. They start to change and you see them differently. Lewis Smead puts it like this. You disengage that person from his hurtful act. You recreate him. At one moment, you identify him ineradicably as the person who did you wrong. The next, you change his identity. He is remade in your memory. You recreate your past by recreating the person who made your past painful. You recreate your past by recreating the person who made your past painful. You break that root of bitterness. And when you've done that, when you've related with them, when you've repaid the debt, when you've revised your feelings, then internally you've forgiven them. So do we just leave it there? The answer is no. Because in, in, Jesus goes on to say in Luke 17, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. You say, finally, I get to tell them off. No, because in Matthew 18, which I think is on the screen, yeah. In Matthew 18, he says, if your brother sins against you and you rebuke them and then they repent, then you have your brother back. See, the purpose of that rebuke isn't to shame or condemn the other person. It's to reconcile a relationship. It's to get your brother back. It's relational forgiveness. But if you don't inwardly forgive before you go to rebuke them, then you're rebuking them for the wrong reasons. See, if Pete tried to rebuke me for ruining his new Fulham shirt before he's forgiven me, he's going to come to me and he's going to say, Johnny, you idiot. That was my favorite new shirt. I just bought it. I was going to wear it to the game today. I hate you. I never want to see you again. See, only if he internally forgives me first can he then come to me seeking the relationship. Only then can he come to me and say, Johnny, when you spilt wine all over my shirt, that, that really hurt. It really hurt. But I want you to know that I've forgiven you. You know what? I've paid the debt. I've bought myself a new shirt. And I've bought you one too. And then he said, why don't we go the game together? See, that is relational forgiveness. And I think there's a real challenge there for us. And there's a real challenge there for me. A lot of the time, our instinct is to go straight to that rebuke. We say we want justice. We want fairness. But forgiveness and justice aren't mutually exclusive. We worship a God who is both perfectly loving and perfectly just. We worship a God of both forgiveness and of justice. But if you fail to forgive them inwardly before you go seeking the rebuke, before you go try and reconcile that relationship, then you aren't really after justice. You're after revenge. You're making them pay. You'll be like, Pete, I never wanna see you again. But God says in Deuteronomy, vengeance is mine alone. It's his to bear, not ours. And when we carry that weight for him, we sit ourselves in his seat. We make ourselves the judge. And that leaves a bitter root. The other pitfall that that people go into, and and this this is me, is that you withdraw. You say, after what they did to me, I don't want anything to do with them again. I don't, I don't even want to speak to them. So you fail to confront the issue. And in, in doing that, you shield them from the consequences of their actions. And on the inside, you can never forgive them yourself. That bitter root's still there. My um, biological father left when I was four years old. And it was under really, really awful circumstances at the time. And at the time, I, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that he wasn't there anymore. And that left a wound in me. It left a bitter root. I wasn't just a shy kid who couldn't make friends and had weird relationships with male authority figures because Larry threw sand at me or kicked over my sandcastle or whatever he did. It's because someone who I worshipped, someone who I looked up to, had abandoned me. And I was so scared of losing anyone else. So I withdrew. And that is something like over years, I've had to work through. I've had to pray through. I've had to relate with him. I've had to try and understand why he did what he did. I've had to put myself in his shoes. I've had to repay the debt. And while like, I'm still not yet in contact with him, and I may never be, I've, I've been working hard to revise my feelings. Even like in preparing for this preach, um, I prayed for him. And that was hard. It was painful. But Jesus says to me, no, you're not done yet. He says, I call you to forgive. And if the opportunity arises, to, to talk to him, to try and reconcile. And I recognize that might not be possible for me. It might not be possible for some people in this room and, and some of the things you might be going through. The other person might not want to. They might be dangerous. They might be in prison. But I promise you, if you can bring yourself to the point of reconciliation, if you can forgive them internally and be ready to reconcile that relationship, then you can be free of the bitter root and any hold that has on you. In verse 4, Jesus goes on to say, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back saying to you, I repent, you must forgive them. See, Jesus isn't saying count many things someone does to you in a day and once they get to eight or nine, you stop forgiving them and you start shouting at them, no. The number seven in the Old Testament signifies completeness or fullness. He's saying that if someone sins against you as completely and as fully as it would be possible to sin against you, if they did the worst thing imaginable, Even then, you must forgive them. And look at the disciples' reaction. They say, increase our faith. What they're saying is, we can't do this. What you're asking is impossible. Increase our faith. And if you're sat here thinking the same, then you're not alone. Forgiveness is hard. But fortunately, everything else that Jesus says in the rest of this passage is a response to the disciples saying that they don't have the faith to forgive in the way that Jesus is asking them. And Jesus being Jesus, he, he tells us a parable. And this one's all about servants. In ancient times, if you owed someone a debt that, they, that you couldn't pay, then you either went to jail or you entered the service of the person who you owe until you would paid off that debt. That is, you became their servant. And in the parable, Jesus is saying that if you had a servant who's indebted to you, if you had someone like me who spilt red wine all over your Fulham shirt, then you wouldn't expect them to be sat at your dinner table at dinner time, sipping wine and eating olives like Adnan is there. No, they've abandoned you. They should be in the kitchen. They should be prepping the meal. They should be working to pay off their debt. You sit there thinking, yeah, too right they should. If Johnny ruined my Fulham shirt, he should be in the kitchen with Adnan working to pay off the debt. He should be working for it. But then Jesus flips it. He says, and so you also, when you have done everything that you were told to do, including forgive, you've only done your duty. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells another parable about servants. And, and this time there's a servant who owes his master a phenomenal debt. It's so, so big, like bigger than like the British economy. He's never paying it back. But when the servant begs his master, when he pleads with him, the master takes pity on the servant. And he cancels the debt. The servant's forgiven. He's free to go. But then when he does go, he walks out and he bumps into another servant who owes him a debt. Now, this guy only owes him a small amount. He owes him like a day's wages. But when the debtor asks for more time to pay, instead of forgiving him, the servant has the man thrown into prison and he demands justice. When the master finds out about this, he gives him justice. He says, you wicked servant, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? He hands him over to the jailers to be tortured until he can pay back all he owed. And through both of these parables, Jesus is saying that we owe God a great debt. All of us have sinned and fall short of his glory. And no matter how hard we work, we can never pay off that debt. So when we forgive others, we're only doing our duty. But when we judge others, when we fail to forgive, we're forgetting our place. See, we become servants acting like a master. We should be on trial, but we sit ourselves in the judge's seat. We sit ourselves in God's seat. We are servants acting like God. But Jesus says that if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it will obey you. So he's saying that if you had the tiniest bit of faith, you would have the power to forgive. Faith in what? Faith in him. See, the only way that we get out of being a a servant, acting like a master, is to get to know the master who became a servant. The only way that you get the faith to forgive seven times a day is to understand that you are in service to the one who's forgiven you. And if you knew a mustard seed amount, if you knew the tiniest little slither of what Jesus had done for you, then you can say to any root of bitterness, be uprooted and planted into the sea. Well, what has he done? He's related to you. He stepped down from being the king in heaven to being born a man on earth. He was tempted and tried in every way, but he did not give in to sin. He repaid your debts. He was beaten, mocked and scorned, but he held no root of bitterness. Instead, at the cross, he took on the weight of sin and shame that we were supposed to bear. At the cross, he cried, it is finished. That can also be translated as I have paid it. He's paid the debt. He's paid the price of our sin with his blood. He's revived his feelings towards you. He is sat at the right hand of the Father praying for you. Even at the cross, he cried, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. See, when you are greedy, when you are sinful, Father, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. When I lie, when I'm jealous, Jesus says, Father, forgive him, for he does not know what he's doing. He's praying for you. And when you say sorry, when you repent for your sins, when you say sorry for what you've done, then no matter how great those sins are he is desperate to reconcile a relationship with you see the only way that we get out of being a servant acting like a master the only way that we live a life of habitual and radical forgiveness is to know that we are internally and relationally forgiven by the God who became a servant and that is divine forgiveness if your faith is in your spouse And they leave you, you won't be able to forgive them. If your faith is in your career and you lose your job, someone fired you, you won't be able to forgive them. If your faith is in Fulham Football Club and someone spills wine over your shirt, you won't be able to forgive them. But if even a mustard seed of your faith is in Jesus, if you know that no matter how much guilt and shame that you feel, He has nailed it to the cross. He's paid the debt. If you know divine forgiveness, only then are you free to internally and relationally forgive others. Why don't we stand? And if the band could come back up, that'd be great. In a moment, um, I'm just going to leave some space for us to reflect. Hopefully you can see the screen. There'll, there'll be some questions on the screen. Um, but I'll read them, so you feel free to close your eyes and hold out your hands as a posture of surrender to God. Colossians 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive internally. Forgive relationally. Know his divine forgiveness for you. For some of us, the idea of forgiveness is, is painful. It hurts. There might be wounds from our past, from our parents, maybe from a relationship, maybe even from the church that have left a bitter root. For some, those wounds are so deep that we've hidden them. We, we've withdrawn. If that's you, maybe you need to pray Psalm 139. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Point out who I might need to forgive. internal forgiveness are there any wounds that you need to heal is there anyone that you need to forgive relational forgiveness. Maybe there's resentment and bitterness that has driven a wedge between you and someone else. Maybe you can't even remember what they did to you. You just can't stand to be near them anymore. Perhaps they hurt you and you need to forgive them. Or perhaps you hurt them and you need to repent. Are there any relationships that you need to heal? Is there anyone that you need to seek forgiveness from? Divine forgiveness. Maybe you sat there thinking or stood there thinking, this guy doesn't know what I've done. He doesn't know how bad I've messed up. You'd be right. I don't. But Jesus does. And though your sins are like scarlet, he has made them white like snow. He's forgiven you internally. He is desperate to reconcile a relationship with you. Is there anything that you need to confess to God? Is there anything that you need God's forgiveness for? Maybe you're still with the disciples in verse four. Increase my faith. Increase my faith so I can forgive. Increase my faith so I can repent. wherever you are on this journey like just to say if you want prayer for anything then we're here as family like come to the front there'll be someone here who I'd pray for you adnan there's people around um yeah like this is something that we can work through together i'll pray for us now to close father many of us here have wrestled with Resentment, with bitterness, with unforgiveness. We might have clothed it with words like justice and fairness. But Father, as that psalm says, search our hearts, point out anything that offends you, point out where we might need to forgive, point out where we might need forgiveness. But I pray that you will increase our faith increase our faith pour out your grace so that we can have the power to forgive as you taught us to pour out your grace so that we can pray as you did as you taught us to Father forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us.